everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life i am your host natalie williams and i am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest virginia dixon hi natalie hi virginia good morning good morning you are on one this morning I if am. i have to say so <laughs> i am I riley excited. and i are struggling today <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad the three of us are together discussing this topic. Last week, we talked a little bit about speaking to the mountains in our lives, right? The barriers to healing, if you will, Mm -hmm. about God, this personal intimate entity that I believe holds the world together according to the counsel of his will. And our anatomy bears witness of that. We get deep into this with rest, right? It's kind of almost an apologetic, a statement on apologetics. Yes. But today I thought, what does that really look like, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about stages of healing in the context of this. But you said something to me off the air. Yeah. Really compelling last week. And I'd like you to share it with everyone if you're comfortable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So something that I didn't mention last week that I had gone through before coming to rest. So it was earlier in the year and it was right around Valentine's Day. But within a week, I had lost not only my marriage, but also my home and my car. I'd gotten in a car accident. And when I say I lost my home, this was the first home that I'd had that was actually my own, like one that I actually got to to cultivate. And as a woman, that was something that was always very important to me. So to lose all three of those things, as well as my sense of self, it was a huge, it was a huge blow. Mm -hmm. And what most of us do is we talk to God about our mountains versus talking to our mountains about God. And for months I'd been doing that. And then it wasn't until I came to rest that I, I learned how to talk to the mountains about God and use the authority that he'd given me to one, not only, you know, not be victimized, right? Yeah. By the circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a champion. I'll tell you, you jumped in with both feet. I didn't have a choice. I needed to. You needed to. (laughs) Oh yeah. And sometimes our very soul, our heart, our mind, our will, our conscience, everything begins to crumble, but sometimes our bodies begin to crumble. Mm -hmm. We get cancer, get autoimmune diseases. So whichever thing crumbles first, we go and we start there. Yeah. I think this is a perfect segue into speaking about stages of healing. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we invite people into a place of rest so they can experience freedom. There is no freedom without peace. And there's no peace without reconciling the conflicts that we have within ourselves, which is what rest is all about. Right. The thing is, when we talk about reconciling conflict within ourselves... We want everybody to understand that we're always incorporating, or including, I should say, right, Mm -hmm. a discussion about the spirit, the soul, and the body, and how those three constituents that we must learn how to govern, negotiate, and work, and operate in the economy of this quantum field of energy contained by time, Mm -hmm. right, or best described by time that we live in. So it sounds a little complicated, but it isn't. And there's freedom in understanding that narrative. So it's to that end that we have these podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about stages of healing today. And when I was just hearing you recap that, I was thinking about, I remember you were living in hell. Mm -hmm. You were fighting demons, yourselves, your, your own, that of your husband's and the ones that came in to your marriage 
portals, right? Yep. And they manifest in a variety of different ways. Enough so that even atheists address demons in their lives. Well, the yep. reason they address them and you mention demons or darkness or however, whatever word you use to Negative describe energy. it is because it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's real. That's why you say it. So, and then the last thing is resting in peace and faith. So living in hell, fighting demons and finding rest in peace and in faith that you had to have in me in the process, right? Yeah. And the peace that came with it, that's what ultimately brought you to a place of freedom. Yeah. So I'd like to discuss those three things today with Riley. Riley. <laughs> and Riley did an amazing segment with us. And the reason I am so thankful for Riley, we all are right now. Oh, yeah. First of all, Riley is the brains behind our beautiful website. website. Mm -hmm. Many of the visuals we use in our curriculum. And when I tell you that this girl is the heart and soul of rest, Natalie. We would not be where we are right now without her. No, we wouldn't That's be. for sure. And That's I a would, big statement. Yeah, it but is, it's the truth. It's the truth. And actually, I would go as far as to say you are the spirit, the heart, and the soul of rest. Because were it not for the darkness and the severity and the seriousness of what I had to deal with with you, I don't think I would be so bold to talk about the multiple dimensions of living in hell, fighting demons, and finding rest in faith. And the peace that comes with it that ultimately sets us free. Were it not for the brutality of what I had to live with you, what Natalie and the team had to support me in, I wouldn't say this. Yeah. And I will say you have been the first long-term resident of our healing sanctuary here at the villa mm -hmm. for almost two years now. Yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. No, but, but three years is it. This is going to be our victory lap. Year three is it. Boy, this is where the whole triangle is completed and you will have wings. And I think rest will take wings with you to places and to do things we never imagined. And we're on our way to that. Mm -hmm. So thank you. <laughs> um, this might take two podcasts. Yeah. Maybe three. I'm good with that. Yeah, I am too. We don't know what's going to happen, but we knew it was a necessary discussion because at the end of the day, we can talk about speaking to the mountains about God, but the mountains in our lives are terrifying. Yeah. And they often kill our spirit, our soul, and sometimes the spirit, the soul, and the body. Mm -hmm. And I often say, because we know the way in, to that kind of destruction, you guys, we can find the way out. Mm -hmm. Rest is the way out. So everybody that's listening right now, I want to encourage you, go to the website, go to On Demand, and at least listen to the day of rest, sign up for the day of rest, or sign up for, what is it, the 40 days of rest. Right. And if you make it to the end of the podcast, at the very end of announcements, there is a coupon code that I give to everybody. So stay tuned okay. for that. Yeah. And I want to be intentional because sometimes I think we talk about lofty things and about big ideas in a whole new language. I hear that a lot. You're causing me to think about things differently, but I don't want you to think that we're going to leave you there. Yeah. And I don't want you to feel like 
you, you speak you, with broad strokes over these themes that are devastating in our lives. I don't want you to think we're going to leave you there. We've prepared resources so that this is the help that you need and the access, the road to rest is accessible for everyone, no matter what country you're in right now and you're listening to us from. Yeah. So with that, Riley, I want you to talk to us a little bit about what it looks like to, to live in hell. Because you did the series Addiction, A Banquet in the Grave. You finished off that series for us. We talked about big themes pertaining to addictions. And I think the biggest theme pertaining to an addiction that's not often discussed is the idolatry that's behind an addiction. And idolatry is this thing that ultimately we use to satisfy and fill the place that only the deepest hunger of our soul that's longing for intimacy with our creator God can provide. That's what an addiction is, is something that we use. It can be shopping, it can be pornography, it can be pedophilia, whatever you find yourself in, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, Some people, it's eating chalk. I had a patient that ate glass. There's a number of different things that people use to numb pain. And at the root of an addiction, I don't care what it is, alcohol and wine, I get, I my skin crawls when I see everybody posting glasses of wine and bottles of wine and partying and all that. And I just think broken hearts, shattered souls, numbing pain. Mm-hmm. And addictions are a banquet in the grave, regardless of who they are. There's nothing wrong with a glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with shopping. There's nothing wrong with desiring things. But when those things usurp, your very hunger for that which adds substance and integrity and wholeness to your very soul that's screaming for help, and you use those things to rationalize your lifestyle, whatever it is, that's an addiction, it's destructive, and it's living in hell. Yeah, and I want to add this to it as well, is that you know that it's usurping your life when your life is starting to revolve around it and or it's decreasing like things in your life. Does that make sense? Exactly. Let's talk about being a workaholic. Mm-hmm. If it is numbing everything, every relationship, everything in your life. And by the way, those of us that are in our 60s and our 50s, you know, it was, you know, you can bring home the weekend, you know, cook it up in the pan and never let him forget he's a man, whatever. Lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. <laughs> and so... I mean, there's a lot of lies around work, around achievement, around success, around pursue all these educations, go in debt because you need that to be worth something. The pursuit of stuff that usurps the things that make you hunger to fill that place in your soul, that's an addiction. It's a pursuit of value. Pursuit of value. Yeah. Yeah. And idols. That's what idols do. And idols will destroy us. But Riley, that was long-winded. I feel obviously strongly about this, but yes. (laughs) It's a banquet in the grave. It causes us to be enslaved by any number of the things we mentioned, and we're not free. And I encourage people, by the way, that don't know Riley's story, to go back and listen to those podcasts, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. We don't have to recap everything, but these three themes, Riley, came out of a conversation I had with you while driving to the office. We were talking about speaking to the mountains about God not to God about the mountains. And I said, Riley, you know what? That's exactly how you got out of the bondage you were in. That's how you ultimately fought the demons in your life. And because those two things were faced head on, 
You were able to step into rest through faith, find peace and freedom. And there is your story. But there's a book you're reading that inspired you to talk about some of these themes, which is amazing. So you're the one that inspired this podcast is well, what we were inspired. just talking about the three, the two years that I've been here and how one, it hasn't felt like two years. Right. And we were just talking about three, you know, maybe three is the magic number of completing all of this. But yeah, the first year that I was here, it felt like hell. It felt like I was living in hell 24-7. One, being tormented by demons. Two, just being completely numb. And I don't even know how we'd even describe numb in that sense. Like I felt more physically and mentally numb to everything. More so than just numbing myself, I just felt... Do you get what I'm saying? Completely. I just felt completely out of it. Completely disengaged, disconnected to everything because I felt like I was living in hell. I didn't feel like I was living in this world. Because idols, to some extent, and the things that you use to medicate your pain, it kept you disconnected from your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, and your feelings. And you're absolutely right. You were living in that state, which was hell. But towards the end of that stage of hell that came, that was really, the veil was pulled back with the death of your brother. And we don't have to get into all that, but that's when the veil of the hell you were living in was really peeled back. You couldn't cry, remember? It's funny because this morning, everything you told me to think about and write about, I didn't. I literally just wrote about McCall the whole time. I cried for two hours this morning. Mm. Wow. What moved you to tears? Just... The thought of, one, how much I miss him, clearly. But two, just thinking about, I feel like he was kind of my biggest advocate, one, for coming to California. And he, that was, he was going to come with me to California. Like, we had a plan. He was the number one person that wanted me to come here, wanted me to do all the things that I was planning on doing. And just as I was reflecting on the last two years that I've been here, and just thinking about how he hasn't been here with me at all. And I've he had only known the things that are going on now, the things that have happened. But then I think about it, and I don't even think I'd even be where I am today, part of rest, part of all of this, if he hadn't had well, died. You, you'd contacted me for him, to help yeah. him. So he even brought you to me. He brought yeah. you to me, he brought you to California. Isn't that amazing? That's true. And then just thinking about... I don't know, all the typical things, thinking about the future and, you know, what I want and what I see for my life and just picturing and just knowing that he won't be there and he won't be a part of it. Just hard. Look you to tears. Maybe he is a bigger part of it than you think. Because if it wasn't for McCall, you wouldn't know me. If it wasn't for McCall, you wouldn't be here. And that's how all things work together for the good, for those who seek the face of God and who hunger for peace. That's what ultimately brought you here, is the hunger for peace, for God. So maybe he is in the present, and he's leading you to the future, and God is using what the world would consider a disaster, a catastrophe, to lead you to the very destiny that your soul hungers for, which is ultimately intimacy with God. But it does feel like hell, because a lot of hellish things happen 
in the darkness and the reality of our lives, the practical pain that we all navigate in time. And we live in a dark world. Yeah. Things happen. And anyway, so there you go, Riley. God gave you words. That's it. So living in hell, how did you, you had been numbing pain from a history of abuse that had been buried from the time you were a little girl. And then you subconsciously numbed and kept those parts from connecting with each other just to survive and cope. Well, I think the biggest way that I did that more than, I mean, I know we've talked about addictions and that word just doesn't settle well with me because I don't think I'm the definition of someone who has an addiction by the world standards. But I think the way I numbed myself, and I still kind of continue to do at times, is just by distracting myself in whatever that may be. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is cleaning and being OCD and just anything to distract me from what I should be doing or the conversations I know I should be having with God. To me, that's the biggest way I see now and in the past of how I've numbed distractions but what are they distracting you from whether it's drugs or sex or alcohol or shopping think about it what do they distract you from I mean they I think they distract me from the things just like with the draw the circle the devotion today of how basically the first sentence in there is that you will never what does it say Natalie it says you'll never be ready mm-hmm. yep addictions yeah. distract people from pain in the most practical way and I want you to stick with that for a second with me Addictions distract us from pain. When we think of pain, what do we think? Feelings. We feel pain. So addictions addictions distract you from your very soul, from your mind. Remember, the constitution of your soul is a mind, a heart, a will, a conscience, and a feelings. If there's any form of distraction from pain, right? To do that, you got to distract your mind. You got to distract your heart. You got to distract your will and say, "Oh, this is no big deal. It's just a one-time thing." Oh, I'll stop tomorrow. Whatever. Will, and then mind, heart, will, conscience. Your conscience. It's no big deal. It's just one more drink. I'll stop tomorrow. Whatever. Or it's just a few hundred dollars. Or it's just a few seconds. Or my wife is sleeping anyway. She's thankful. I don't want to go have sex with her, and I can lose myself in this. Or women too, using pornography or online chat rooms, or addicted to Instagram instead of going to bed with your spouse and just holding hands or hugging, even if there's no sex involved. Addictions, the things that we're addicted to, distract us from the life of our heart, from the role of the relationships, from the meaning of these images that we have, that we long to have, intimate relationships. And the value of our story. Addictions distract us from the very essence and value of everything that makes us sacred, which is our humanity. It distracts us from our very humanity. That's the danger of an addiction. It keeps the body, the flesh indulged, but the soul far from that. And I think that is the anatomy of disease. The chasm, the black hole between the life of our soul and the realities that our body, our flesh, our unconscious mind pretty much runs our flesh runs our life but the reality the disparity between those things is the dynamic of disease and addictions are a state of dis-ease there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of dis-ease dis-ease leads to disease illness and death so 
the reason they're hell is because it's a slow death. That's why I named that series Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. It's a form of death. But we have all kinds of ways to rationalize why they're serving us well. They destroy us. And I think that's why you initially contacted me and wanted to bring McCall in because you saw that your brother was in a deep state of dis-ease. And you heard about this crazy lady and you thought, well, I <laughs> haven't heard any of this before. I might as well go. But you came on the recommendation of somebody else. By the way, 100% of the people that come to rest have come through recommendations of others. Well, and I had mentioned the people that I was recommended by in our last episode. And That's it was right. the same exact people who recommended Riley. Riley, exactly. And Riley's so, I think, living in hell pretty much. You had something to say about that. I think I was numbing the pain because like the book, the devotion says, is you'll never be ready. And I feel like my whole life, I was always trying to be as ready as I could for anything that was going to happen in my life. And all of the things that I never really felt ready for, I was always numbing myself. We reach for things, right? Right, because to, it's uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with something's uncomfortable. We don't yeah. want to deal with pain. And those things ultimately begin to rule our lives, but we didn't, that wasn't the intention. Yeah. It was just to help me cope for a minute. But all of a sudden, these addictions begin to rule our lives. Mm-hmm. It's because it makes us comfortable. And we as humans, we are, our brains first initial instinct is to survive anything that we can do to survive so if we're going through trauma it's going to reach for a way to one keep us alive Mm -hmm. but then also keep us comfortable so when we use those things and especially once we get addicted to it we get addicted because we're comfortable and we want to stay comfortable subconsciously we know that addressing that pain is going to be painful and it's going to be vulnerable and we like on a survival level Mm -hmm. don't want to go through that but it's necessary in order to yeah reconcile everything right and I think for me when I got to the point of facing the reality of my brother's death everything that I was using to numb was no longer numbing and that's when I realized this is going to go one of two ways and I feel like that's when I just jumped what what are the one of two ways one I'm going to go way down south with things that I didn't really, I wouldn't even say I was fully addicted to, but I know. You were going to use them. Yes. And that I know where that would have led to a full fled addiction of some sort. Or I could seek the help that I knew that I needed. And at the time that was having the availability, the ability to work with you and rest Mm -hmm. going down south would have been running from the pain stepping into rest is running to the pain well i think part of me even after my brother did die i realized that there was so much more pain that i'd just been running from up until that point in my life and this was just catastrophic pain Mm-hmm. whole different level. And that's living in hell. That's living in hell. That's facing hell is to have to, for those words to be able to come out of your mouth. Not only is this catastrophic pain, but I've been living in pain and I've been numbing that pain. And I'm going to continue numbing that pain with a number of things that we talked about before. We won't talk about again. 
I'm going to keep going that route and it's going to lead to death. Or I'm and going even to before my brother strive died, for life. I was already life. at a point in my life where I realized this isn't doing anything for me. Mm. Yeah. What isn't doing anything? Be very specific. Um, just in terms of drinking, drugs, sex, all of that stuff. It wasn't, none of it made me feel any better. If anything, it just caused more pain and more shame. And my conscience was, I feel like, pierced 24 7. So it reached a feverish pitch. But the beauty in the ashes of McCall is he's the one that ultimately led you to rest. Yeah. I want to define what living in hell looks like in very specific yeah. ways in the context, not just of addictions, but of the idolatry that feeds those addictions to mitigate pain. So there's no way out other than to face the pain. Right. Well, for me, the way I was envisioning these three things, whenever I said my first year, just really, you know, working with you and going through rest when I said was a living hell was more so because I thought since this was the beginning of my healing journey, oh, things are going to be good. Like things are only going to get better from here. Right. And that was the complete I mean, it, what it felt like it was the complete opposite. I know it wasn't the complete opposite because Renee uses this example all the time with Sarah said, but with like deep cleaning a room, you have to take out all of the junk, all of the mess and everything looks so much messier at first before it looks clean again. And for me, all of the mess came out that first year. Yeah, it was tough to look at. It was awful. And not only the mess... I mean, along with the mess came demons. Yeah. And the rodents. Yeah. The rats, right? The yeah. rats, all the rats, the trash, all the dead things in there that are rotting and smelly. We had to deal with all of that. What a beautiful segment. I loved talking about living in hell because I think there's, we're bringing light to a really tough discussion. And I like what you just said. It's about emptying out a room, getting all the trash out and the rats come out with it and it's ugly. And what I love too is bringing up the devotional from today of you'll never be ready. You can keep trying to be ready, to be ready, to be ready. You can keep trying to prepare, but the, the truth is, is that you'll, you'll never be ready. Yeah. This is a, a good note to finish on because we're going to have to deal with a tough topic in the next segment. And conventionally, we think of the ready, set, go but it's the exact opposite. It's counterintuitive, mm-hmm. right? It's, well, it's go, set, that that's what, and then you'll be ready. That's what kind of catapulted me into rest. I wasn't ready for my brother to die. Mm-mm. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, ready for any of that, but I felt like I was just kind of thrown into the fire at that point, and I had to make a decision. Yeah, you went, you sat here for two years. You've been setting, we've been setting for two years. And... Definitely one solid year and a half. And now we're getting you ready for year three and you'll be free. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage everyone listening. I mean, I don't want to even say that I'm not free now because I feel like that, yes, healing is a journey and I mm-hmm. still have a long way to go. I feel way freer than 100%. I was even two days ago. It's a spectrum. Yeah, 100%. And I can even it's see hum- it in your countenance because having known you for like two or three years, <laughs> not- the change just even like on your face and then the way you hold yourself. It's transformative. Oh my gosh. It's such a huge difference. You are a beautiful person. Oh, you always have been. You. And your transformation 
and your commitment and your absolute resolve to help others and to give back to rest is what has caused you, I think, to contribute the incredible things that you've contributed to our organization. And I would go as far as to say even to my family that has grown to love you and the team has grown to love you so much. So thank you for having the strength and courage and using the liberty you had to say, I will not spiral. Thank you. I'm going to go the other direction. And I have to face hell, and you did it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. So if you want to hear more from Riley, go back to the Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave series. It is an incredible series. We've had a lot of comments on it. So go back and listen. As we said in the podcast, I do have a coupon for you. Module one of the 40 Days of Rest is available on demand through our website to support you in your pilgrimage. If you use the promo code podcast to receive a 10% discount for our foundational on-demand day of rest, you will receive a discount for the module one curriculum of 40 Days of Rest as well. BrainState Technologies, or Saraset, is a non-invasive neurotechnology that Virginia commonly refers her clients to. If you would like more information about Saraset, please call the Saraset Irvine office at 949-407-9020, or if you are listening from outside our area, please visit saraset.com for a location near you. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next Friday.